Hey, welcome to the Straight Sports Podcast. We're your host, Joshua and Tushar. In this podcast, we give our opinions on our favorite sports, which are basketball, soccer, and wrestling. Before we start, Josh, I just want to say one thing. I know we don't really talk about the NFL, but I just want to say, you know, congrats to Tom Brady. You know, he officially announced his retirement. There was some like yeah. on and off, you know, beginning. It was like leaked and then he didn't decide yet. He officially decided. So I just want to say, you know, congrats to Tom Brady for an incredible career in most people's eyes. And I don't think it's a question. He's the GOAT of the NFL. Seven Super Bowls, one six in, with the Patriots and one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And just once in a generational type of talent. And he, it felt like he could have even played longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, his family, you know, his uh, kids and wife, and he wanted to move away from football and that's totally okay. But he's a legend and he proved that age is just a number. And just thanks once again to the great Tom Brady. Topic number one, we are starting a new three-part segment where we talk about each NBA team and say whether they exceeded our expectations this season, fell short of expectations and underperformed this season or have met our expectation and played as predicted. So we will start from the bottom teams and work our way up to the top, picking teams between 15th and the 11th seat. So we'll start off with the East, 15th, the Orlando Magic. This team has met my expectations. I mean, I didn't necessarily think that they'd be the worst team in the East, but I expected them to be one of the lower seeds, and they are. They have a 12-41 and 41 record at the moment. I mean, they have some good young talent, but... I think they'll probably be down there for a few more seasons. So I'd say they have met my expectations. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it was expected. You know, they have a great young core. It was very clear once they started rebuilding last season. You know, they traded Vucevic to Chicago. Fournier got traded to Boston. Aaron Gordon got traded to Denver. They got some picks, some young players. Cole Anthony, he's a, he's a good basketball player. They drafted, I believe it was Jalen Slug, if I'm correct. Oh, Jalen Suggs. Oh, my bad. Sorry about that. Jalen Suggs. They're in a rebuilding situation, and they're they're still a fun team to watch. they got a lot of young players that are feisty and just, you know, improving every day. But, yeah, as expected. Number 14, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, I have to say the same. They met my expectations. They did just draft Cade Cunningham. They still do have Jeremy Grant. I think he's a solid player. I mean, I may yeah, expect him to be, like, season. a little bit higher, but I say around here is where I thought they would be. So I'd say met. I mean, I don't think they'd be, like, where else could they be um, realistically? I didn't expect them to be top eight, maybe a little bit higher, but I guess I'd say Met because this is the the region I thought they'd be in. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you as expected. Like I said, we know they're in a rebuilding situation. You know, I believe last season when the Knicks were, you know, about the fourth seed, Derrick Rose got traded. I think uh, Blake Griffin was bought out. So very clear, you know, the direction that franchise was taking and uh, they're in a rebuilding situation, but they got some good young piece. I'm a huge fan of Jeremy Grant. He's a real special player. I even heard a lot of, you know, some teams want to get that trade offer for him, you know, because he's that type of talent. You know, he gives you 20. You could put him in the conversation most improved, but, you know, definitely there's other players like the John T. Murray and a lot of other players as well on that list. Um, but yeah, as expected. Number 13, the Indiana Pacers. Now, this honestly was surprising. This team has, in my opinion, fell short of my expectations and underperformed. I thought this team would be a playoff team. Like, I had this team probably Same. going not too deep, but in the playoffs at least. Like, the roster is good. Sabonis, Karis LeVert, Miles Turner. It's a solid team. And Michael Brogdon. Yeah, him too. But I'm just confused as to why this team is playing as poorly as they are. And this has to me be, for me, honestly, it's it's the shock of the season, seeding-wise, as in terms of seeding. Because I... I thought this team would be way better than they are and there's more shocks to come but i think this one has to be the most surprising to me see how far they fell like it's just honestly puzzling i have no idea i just don't get it 
Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Just to, you know, continue off what you're saying, not expected at all. In the offseason, you know, you come off, you know, a play-in loss, I think, as the ninth seed to the Wizards um, when Russell Westbrook was there. And you come there, you have, you know, Karis LeVert, who's been playing great. You have Sabonis, who's been a two-time All-Star. You know, we can talk about whether he was a snub or not, but he's been playing great. You got Michael Brogdon, you know, uh, Miles Turner, one of the best shot blockers in the game. Solid team. Um, and you, you know, got a new coach, Rick Carla, a championship coach. So this is definitely underperformed um, for sure. I thought they'd be in the playoff pitcher. You know, no disrespect. I didn't think they'd be a top, top seed, but I definitely thought, you know, they'd be fighting for the playoffs. But they look like they're completely out of the playoff pitcher. And uh, there's been a lot of talks about them potentially like, you know, rebuilding and blowing it up. But that's yeah, interesting. It's definitely not what I was expecting. Number 12, the Washington Wizards. Honestly, this is around there. I expect them to be. I never thought they were one of the top teams in the East. I know early in the season, they were pretty high up there in the standings. But I, I did expect it would, you know, taper off and fall to where they should be, which I think is in this area. 12th isn't too bad for them, I think. With a late push, they probably make a plan. But I think this is where I thought they would be. Honestly, I went with saying they underperformed because in the beginning they were, you know, playing really good. And then they were in the mid, you know, fifth, sixth seed where, you know, they were playing real good basketball. Kuzma was playing great. You got Bradley Beal, you know, a lot of great talent. You know, they got a, a lot of pieces from the Lakers trade. I definitely didn't expect them to stay the number one seed. But, you know, I would say underperformed because, you know, last season they were the eighth seed and they made the play in. I thought, you know, maybe they'd be in that same situation. But for the Washington Wizards, I think they underperformed because they're worse right now. They were last season. Um, and, uh, you know, that puts a question on Bradley Beal's future, whether he is going to leave. He is a free agent. Um, he's he's like Dame. Him and Dame are very loyal to their franchise. They definitely want to stay. And uh, we don't have to speak about the moves that Portland made, very questionable moves they made, uh, you know, assuming yeah. they wanted to keep Dame. But, yeah, sorry, to get back on topic, um, yeah, I think they underperformed based on the way they were last season. But, you know, I think they should be a little higher, in my opinion. But I would say they underperformed because, you know, when you got a generational talent like Bradley Beal, you know, they want to make him happy. And right now, I definitely have a feeling that he's very upset because, I mean, as a Clippers fan, very happy that 35-point comeback, that's something uh, you don't see very often. I don't think you see that really ever. So, hmm. uh, Clippers tape. 11 seat, the Knicks. Another underperform. I'm very disappointed in this team. This team was good. Last season, they were in the playoffs comfortably, I might say. And this season, I don't know what's going on. Randall hasn't been looking the same. He's been looking shaky and consistent at times. He even had some issues with fans, but I'm, I'm not going to get too much into that. But it's totally. just weird. The roster is good, I think. They have a nice young roster. Made a good trade, I think, for Cam Reddish. But hopefully they can turn around. There's still time left in the season. And I just hope that some can get it together because, in my eyes, this is a underperforming team. They were the great story of a team that had that grit and grind. You know, Tibbs really came in and changed the culture, you know. And they were the fourth seed last season and coming in this season. I mean, they're, you know, 11th. They're not really playing good. And a big reason could be, you know, Julius Randle did take a step back from the guy who is potentially an MVP candidate, you know, in that discussion, averaging about, like, believe, over 20 and he was clearly their best player he was making you know threes he was doing it all you know and this season feels like he's taking a step back he's been very inconsistent some games he shows up some games he doesn't there is some issues with the fans and I've even talked to one of my friends Danny you know he's a Knicks fan and he's you know as a fan he's very upset you know how they're performing and you know I don't know whether you agree but maybe I'm taking it a little too far but I think it might be time for them to listen to some trade offers for Julius Randle because 
I think R.J. Barrett has been great for them this season. Um, He's been recently, the last month or two, he's been really spectacular. And I just don't think, I mean, I always believe Julius Randle's a great player, but he cannot be your number one option if you want to win a championship. He just can't. And there's no disrespect on him. He's a great player. He's a guy who can give me 18 and 10. I can see that. But he's inconsistent. You know, obviously off the court, he's been had a lot of issues with the fans. But like I said, when you play in a market like the Knicks, you expect that. Same thing with the Philly. You know, you expect those kind of things. You know, if you're playing bad, you know, the Knicks expected you, you know, as your star and you underperforming. So I would consider potential trade offers because also, you know, Kemba's been in and out the lineup and he's not been performing really well as well. Evan Fournier has been good in spurts. You know, sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't. According to the roster they got, they should be a lot better, but they have time. But uh, I don't think they will, but I believe, you know, they should listen to some trade offers to see if they can get something in return. I mean, if they can get somebody like Sabonis, even though I don't think Indiana would do that, that would be great. Do you think they should trade for Julius Randle? They should consider that? Yeah. And if I'm being honest, I didn't think that they should have given him uh, that contract, to be honest. He did come off a bad postseason, but yeah. like I didn't want to take that one playoff series to, you know, the way he performed whole season because he had a great season. But this season, I just think, I feel like there's a lack of aggressiveness. Those type of shots that he was making last season, those kind of difficult shots, he's not going in and he's not aggressive. Like, he needs to be more aggressive. If the Knicks want to, you know, be in that playoff picture again, it's going to start yeah. with that Julius Randle. But R.J. Barrett, you know, he's been playing really consistent now. And if he can play like that, then I could see the Knicks building around him. I think you consider trading Kemba even for and You got to see if there's offers on the table and see if you get some good young pieces. Obviously, a superstar would be great if they can get, but we'll see in that if that happens in the offseason. With Randall, I think it's more so. I think he got kind of got figured out, to be honest, because his play style really is just like what back you down, bully the ball, post, and then stretch out for three. I think he's kind of got figured out. And like, I that, guess that could be true too. And I think the best players they get past that. Like, I don't know if he can take that next step, but I think maybe I don't want to disrespect him, but I think last year, that season was an anomaly season for him. I think he's honestly, I'm not going to disrespect him. I think he is an all star, he has all star potential, but I think. He got figured out, and I guess he has to go back to the drawing board and try to, like, rework his game in a sense because I'm not seeing much improvement. And you like to see constant improvement, you know, with players. Play for a franchise like that, like I said, his, you can understand the frustration, but you cannot, like, those fans are, you know, criticizing because they expect better. But that's what happens when you play in a big market. You got your praise last season for what you did for Knicks basketball, but now expectation was, you know, you'll be in that same boat and uh, haven't been performing that to that level. And it's just not him. There's other players, but it starts with Julius Randle. You know he's supposed to be the best player. Now we're moving on to the West. 15th, the Houston Rockets. Also expected. I mean, they drafted well. Jalen Green, some of the young players, but this is what I thought they would be. Honestly, I mean, I don't think they're the worst team necessarily in the West, but I think they have great potential, and this is where I expected them to be in this area. You kept it pretty short, and, you know, I can't, you know, disagree there. You got to keep it short. I mean, what else could you say, right? Like, as expected, you know, last season, James Harden didn't want to yeah. be there. He got his way. He got traded to Brooklyn. And, uh, yeah, it's it's clear they're rebuilding. They got Kevin Porter Jr., really great player. They got uh, a draft of Jalen Green, you know, very good player. Um, they got a lot of good young talent, and it's clear that they're rebuilding. And that's their future, I think, just building around that young talent. They also got Christian Woods, so it's a good team. Um, I know with the John Wall situation, but he's not playing, and most likely they'll be bought out or traded, probably bought out the contract is a little expensive yeah but yeah as expected like i said you kept it pretty short and uh, i totally agree with you what else can we say right number 14 the okc thunder this team also expected 
Uh, I think this team has a really bright future. They might be nice in 10 years because of all the picks they got. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but like I was saying, I think this team has a really bright future. Josh, Giddy, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, Trey Mann. Like, it's just a stacked young team, I think. Dort, too. Yeah, especially Lou Dort. He's a great defender. This is what I thought they would be. But, um, yeah, it's just a solid team. I mean. They're fun to watch. Shy is very fun to watch. Potential all-star snub, if you want to say that, too. The OKC Thunder, as expected. They're a good young team. They're rebuilding. You know, it's clear once, you know, in uh, 2019 when they traded. Um, well, actually, they got Chris Paul. So once they traded Chris Paul, you know, they made the playoffs. And I feel like that time when Chris Paul was there was really helpful for a player like Shy and 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 these young players. But Chris Paul really, you know, showed them what it takes to win basketball games, right? I feel like that was a good veteran type of presence that Shy got. And now Shy's like, you know, he's he's flourishing, you know, now. And now once Chris Paul got traded, we know this what they were doing. They're rebuilding. Have Shy there. You know, they have Lou Dort. Josh Kitty, he's really good. He's a really good basketball player. It's a really solid team. Um, and they're fun to watch. And Shy, you know, like I said, potential all-star snub. He's playing like an all-star, you know, this season. He's been playing really good. Even last season, he played a great season as well. He's just a great player. So as expected, but great team, fun team to watch. And they'll be a really uh, scary team in a, in a few years with all those picks they got. They got a lot of picks. You got to give credit to Sam Presti. What a GM that man is. Number 13, the Sacramento Kings. Disappointed. Like, I say this every year. Like, this roster is good. This team is good. De'Aaron Fox. Oh, they got Devon Mitchell, too. He's really good. He's a great defender. I don't get why this team always plays bad. Yeah, me too. Like, to I me, this understand. is a solid team. They should be better than they look like. Yeah, yeah I, I think they are. But I just don't understand, like, why this team can't put it together ever. Like, I feel like... And I don't want to say they're one piece away, but I feel like they have what they need to be, like, a good, decent, like, fringe playoff team for now. But it, it just isn't working. Potentially like Minnesota, the way they're playing this season. Yeah. I actually said expect it. Every year, it's like, man, this team, man, they are in Fox. They have Barnes, you know. They look like a tough team. And then, you know, every year feels like we get disappointed, right? So I feel like, you know, with the Kings, to me, I just expected it um, because of the way they've, you know, performed – Past season, but if you look at the team on paper, they should be a lot better than what they are. De'Aaron Fox, potential. He plays like an all-star, you know, and they got Devon Mitchell. I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's a great defender and a great basketball player. They got so much talent. I just don't understand why it doesn't work. Something, Something's up. This franchise is just accustomed to losing. No disrespect. Number 12, the San Antonio Spurs. Honestly, I have to say I want this is where I expected us to be, like, no, no, hold up. But the, I thought I thought you said they was gonna be I think when we talked before, you was like they're gonna playing. be in the play in situation and they're gonna yeah, make the playoffs. Right that's still that's still gonna we're happen. Right, we're right there from the like you make it seem like we're like twenty games out. Like we're right there. It's not that far. Tenth is a playing spot, right? Yeah, tenth is the playing spot. We're two games off that and the Blazers are apparently tanking right now. Would you say that we're better than the Pelicans and the Blazers? I'd say so. I say it's so, but the Spurs have been losing to teams like Houston. They can't win the games they should win. I mean, you can you can say that same thing about how, how the Lakers are losing to OKC. I mean, every team loses to teams that are worse than them. But like I was saying, I think that this roster just to be right around the playing spot. The roster isn't the best. DeJounte Murray snubbed for the All-Star team, but we'll get into that later. Uh, the leader of the team, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, and Jakob Perto, I think, is a great like team. They traded Brent Forbes, which was a little surprising, by the way. I just think that this is what it's supposed to be. I mean, we're not good enough to be a 
a top playoff team right now. I think we can sneak into the play and maybe cause some bigger teams some trouble, hopefully. But this is what I thought I'd be, what we'd be, Yeah, honestly. Like expected, what I told you in the season, this team is hot garbage. They're trash. Money. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, Shout out to all the San Antonio Spurs out there, especially Matthew. They're garbage. That's what it comes down to. As expected, they were going to be in the situation because they're not a good basketball team. Are they fun to watch? Yes. So a playing team is garbage. Playing is garbage. You're not a playing team yet. Let's see you what are. happens. Give, <laughs> like, you're 12. That's not playing. Wait, so if the Clippers fall into the playing range, they're garbage. That's different. We don't have Kawhi oh, and PG. Not, now it's different. Now it's different. Now it's different. <laughs> Let me finish what I was saying, then you can uh, rebuttal that. All right? My point is that there are no disrespect to Spurs, of course, but um, one thing I'll tell you, the Dante Murray is fun to watch. That man is, you can talk about potential all-star snubs. He's, he's on that list. He's probably top on that list with Shy because he's having a great season. He has been balling. If there's a big reason why the Spurs are not even worse than what they already are, it's because of that man, what he's been able to do every night. Give the Spurs a year or two. You know, I might have exaggerated with the 10-year thing, but give them a year or two, they could get back in that playoff picture because they just need some pieces. They need some pieces to surround the ball. Murray. It's very clear to build a franchise around a generational talent like the John T. Murray. Because what he brings to the table, he brings points. He's one of the best passers in the game in the point guard position, one of the best rebounders in the point guard position, and for guards, one of the best defenders. He brings it all to the table. One thing he can definitely work on, of course, players can always work on things. If he becomes even a better three-point shooter, he's having a great season from the three. If he's even better than that, he can be a very scary player. I didn't think they would make the playoffs. I was really confident about them, but they're fun to watch. But I still don't think they'll make the playoffs. So I would say it was expected. But I don't know what Joshua was thinking, you know, getting all feel like you were just having a dream and thinking that the Spurs were actually going to be in the play-in and they were going to make Bro, the we're, playoffs. We're literally I mean, two games out the play-in. <laughs> like, it doesn't crazy. matter. You What you said in the beginning it's mid-season. when we did the preseason I said, prediction. season will be playing. It's mid-season. Like, no, but man, in the preseason, you said they would knock out the Clippers in the play-in. That's what you said. Yeah, the Clippers. That's are gonna not going to happen well. because you're not going to make the play-in. <laughs> oh, my. You're funny. You're funny. Of course, no disrespect to the Spurs, Spurs nation, but like I said, uh, hot garbage. Number 11, New Orleans Pelicans. Expected. I mean, Zion's out. The roster is good, but I just Brandon never Ingram's playing phenomenal team. too. You could you could talk about. There's so many potential snubs you can talk. Ingram's having yeah. a great season too. I just never thought this team was ready, even ready for that next step. To be honest, uh, Devonta Graham is also special. I really like Herbert Jones, uh, but I just feel like this is what I thought they would be, and I I don't see them going any higher. To be honest, I can see them falling, like I said, and Spurs passing them, but I don't think this team is a uh, is a playoff team yet. Who knows on the Tim Tofers on, but uh, I think they have a bright squad. You know what's crazy? I also say expected, but you know what's crazy? I low-key thought they would be a little lower than what they are because they're actually in that play-in mm. picture, even without Zion. So they have yeah. a chance to get into the play-in. But I thought they'd be a little lower, to be honest. But Brandon Ingram has been a big reason why they've been able to stay there. Of course, other players as well. It's not a one. Basketball is definitely a team sport, but he's the big. He's fueling the fire, basically, right? He's phenomenal. And the Pelicans, to me, yeah, as expected, I didn't think they make the playoffs. I still don't think they'll be make the playoffs, but they have a shot at making the play and They have a real shot at it. You know, there's teams up there like the Pelicans, you know. Uh, well, the Spurs are in it, but I, like I said, I don't think they're going to make the play-in. So, so wait, yeah. wait, who do you think is going to make the play-in ahead of the Spurs? Honestly, like, please be honest. Okay, so right now, I think Minnesota's seventh, right? The Clippers will be in the play-in. Okay. Um, so that's I mean, the Clippers are, eighth the right Clippers now, are so. in there. The Lakers are going to be in the play-in. And who is 10th again, right? Who's currently 10th? The Blazers, and, and, and they're going to drop for sure. So Okay. Just say Spurs. <laughs> like, the Spurs? Like just say Spurs. <laughs> I mean, okay, be I think 
I mean, I I think it would come down to the Pelicans, Spurs, or Kings. One of them might make it. Wow. Wait, you said the Trailblazers? I, I think the Blazers were tanked. You no, be- the Blazers were tanked. I think the Blazers are out, but I'm say, I am said yeah, the yeah. Pelicans, Spurs, or Kings. One of them. So I guess I, <sighs> I took it far ahead. I should have rethought about Portland because I forgot they are looking to tank. Yeah, you have a point. They have a shot, but I'm not going to say they're the favorites. I mean, I'm looking at the Pelicans. They're playing good. It's it's a it's a puncher's chance, really, for those three teams to do it. They got a shot at it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. If the Spurs make the plan and they knock out the Clippers, you know, I won't say nothing. I'll give you the flowers because you called it. But we'll see if that happens. Moving on, topic two. The All-Star starters and reserves have been announced. What's your reaction to the list? And who do you think was snubbed? I guess I'll just say the list, right? Uh, so the starters were Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel B, Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan. The reserves for the East were Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Fred Van Fleet. For the West, the starters were LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, John Morant. The reserves for the West were Devin Booker, Luka Dantich, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Carl Anthony Towns. You know, I got the list majority of the right. You know, I did have Curry, Morant, LeBron, and Jokic in the starting. I did get George wrong, and Wiggins was in the starting lineup. But I really thought George was going to make it. But if they want to hold, you know, he did miss a lot of games. So I guess I'm not mad at the fact that he made it. Um, looking at the reserves, I can't be mad. I mean, I had CP3, Book, Draymond, Mitchell, Gobert, and Luka all on my list. I did have Wiggins on it, but he's a starter. But I think the list is good for the West. Uh, for the East... I had the whole East starters right. I had Trey, DeRozan, Katie, Giannis, and Bede. You can put the argument Levine deserves to start over Trey, but I, I think Trey deserves that. Uh, for the reserves, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, James Harden, Jason Tatum, and Fred Van Fleet, I had all of them on the list. I did put Miles Bridge and M. Bradley be on my list, but they both did not make it. And uh, Chris Middleton made it, which that caught me by a little surprise. He is having a great season, but I did think players like Miles Bridges, Bradley Beal, I was shocked that they didn't make it. I just want to say Garland didn't make it. And I was wrong about that. He deserves to make it. So I'm excited for Garland. Yeah. Cleveland being represented. After, even after LeBron left, he's the first all-star to do it. I do think Miles Bridges is having a great season. But um, I was hearing, I think I was on TNT, uh, Draymond Green, he said, like, the reason why LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges, either of them did not make it is potentially when they did the votes, they both got a split vote, potentially because both of them are playing equally well. If you think about it, Miles Bridges is averaging a little more points. But LaMelo Ball, you know, we know what type of talent he is. I agree with the list. Um, like I said, I was a little only thing caught me off guard. Chris, like I said, of course, Chris makes it. I'm not really mad at that, but I look at players like Bradley Beal. I'm still shocked. I, if anything, I'm probably shocked that Bradley Beal didn't make it. I thought he's like kind of those players that he would always make it. So, yeah. Honestly, uh, I agree with the starters. Uh, the reserves, I'm fine with. I don't, I still don't think Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet should even should be on the All-Star team. I respect what Who he's done. Who should replace but... him then? I think Jalen Brown should replace him. He's he's averaging okay. almost 25 points per game this season. And they're literally a game off the Raptors. Because the thing is, this is what my notion was with the Celtics. I just don't think two players should be represented. I also do think that Sabonis was a snub. I generally don't think that Chris Middleton has done enough to be on the All-Star team. I mean, I guess. Who would you put? Uh, Sabonis. Sabonis. Okay. You did have Sabonis on your list. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I guess about- being, on the, being on the Bucks is like good enough, but I think... Overall, I think Sabonis is. Yeah, he's having a great season. The only thing I think he got criticized for is the fact that his team is playing bad. But then you could say the same thing about Trey Young. His team is not playing to the expectation. But, you know, Trey Young is, of course, you know, he plays great, but his team is playing bad. But Sabonis, no, not, you know, he's playing great too. It's kind of hard. But yeah, you have a good point. But yeah. And for the West, the Wiggins, I did not predict Wiggins starting at all. The one thing I feel like is a little unfair is the fact that Luka Doncic is considered a guard. Because if he's considered a forward, 
He should always be a starter. Yeah, I'm assuming without Kawhi, right? But yeah, continue. I believe I picked Wiggins to be a reserve for me. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty content with the list. I mean, I don't think there's any big shockers here outside of Wiggins for me. Dude, this, you had Cat on your list. Yeah, I, I did have Cat as a starter, but I think Wiggins edged them out, I guess. I feel like personally, like a team that has a bad record shouldn't always be like judged that bad where like the player doesn't make it because you can give instances of players that made it and their team's record is not that good, right? I'll give you Atlanta, Trey Young, right? His team record, they're like currently 10th, right? And then you have Cat's team is 7th. At the time, Trey Young was got to starters. I think his team was a little lower. So I feel like when it comes to all-star is not a team thing. It's more of an individual thing, right? Even though, yes, we know basketball is a team game, but individually we see stars shining. Also moving on to topic three, soccer. The CONCACAF World Cup qualifying has resumed recently. The groups include Canada, Mexico, the United States, Panama, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Honduras, and Jamaica. Which team do you think will make it out the group? I do have to say that the entire tournament has been great to watch. Generally, it's been pretty interesting and pretty competitive. But as for the teams I think is making it out, I have to go with Canada, USA, Mexico. In the playoffs, I have to say either Panama or Costa Rica. I'm not too sure yet, but it's been it's been pretty fun to watch. So I think, once again, I'll say it. Uh, Canada, USA, Mexico, Panama or Costa Rica. I'm not too sure on that. It doesn't 50-50. Real quick, if I had to just speak on that, I would say the U.S. as well, Mexico and uh, and Canada. Those are the three I would say. And then yeah. I think out of the qualifying, I'm looking at all these teams. I think Costa Rica could make it. That was just my opinion. I just wanted to say that. But I think I, you know, I agree with you. Do you think the United States men's team will be able to advance? Who is their biggest competition? I do think they'll make it just because of how weak like the overall group is. But when it comes to like playing against like the heavy hitters, as in Mexico. Canada, even though they did beat Mexico last year, they did just lose 2-0 to Canada. They did beat El Salvador 1-0. They also beat Honduras 3-0. But when they played Canada, they looked shaky. Like, I'll just go over the goals real quick. There was a, a goal kick by Matt Turner. Went to the halfway line. No one attacked the ball. Canada team made one, two quick passes. Split the defense. And one shot. Goal. Second goal off a of clearance. And... The ball went up one side of the pitch, had a cug bay for Canada, controlled the ball, dribbled through one, two defenders. Once again, clear through, Matt Turner can't do anything, and another goal. So, I mean, yeah, I think they'll make it because of how bad the group is overall, but, you know, they got to do better against the bigger teams. And I also want to say a shout-out to Matt Turner because he did recently sign for Arsenal Football Club, which is my team my favorite team. So congrats to him on that. I'm not going to be, you know, on him for the goals because I feel like the defense was pretty much non-existent. But if you want to, like, sure, they can go to the World Cup, but do they want to actually just go there or do they want to actually perform and compete? Because the way it's looking right now, they're not going to compete. Because if you can't hang with Canada, as I said before, yeah, you did beat Mexico, but if you can't beat Canada, like, come on now. And their best player, Alfonso Davies, wasn't even playing. He couldn't play. He cannot play because he had some heart issues. Hopefully it doesn't get better. Speedy recovery to him. Like, you lost to them without their best player. So what does that say? I I think they're qualified, but I don't think they're ready. And as for the second question with their competition, I think it's Canada and Mexico. As for right now. I mean, who knows what what might happen, but to me right now, it's those two teams. 
just looking at the teams, I know USA has had recent success against Mexico, but Mexico to yeah. me is the strongest team in the group. I think yep. they should be. They have a lot of talent. That's true. But Canada is, is pretty up to like, like very, that, that's group, true. That, that is true. I was just saying in general, when I look at talent, yeah, I always yeah, feel like I see I Mexico every World Cup. I see them and we did. USA has missed it. I think Canada made the last one, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. But yeah, you, you make some good points. You know, there's a, there's definitely fun times in the World Cup. Super excited. It's about to start soon. Uh, we still have some time, but got to patiently yeah, yeah. wait for it. So um, moving on to soccer, uh, the January transfer window has recently closed. Multiple teams have spent big money to strengthen their squads, while others have chosen to wait until the summer to spend their funds. Which team do you think had the best transfer window? Which teams do you think had the worst transfer window? I'd say, actually, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll give like a top, I'll give top three and I'll give bottom okay. three, you know? Yeah, go ahead. So one, I'd probably say Aston Villa. Like the team did well. I mean, San Felipe Coutinho from Barcelona alone. There is a buy clause, I think. I think it's optional, but also signed Luca Dignay from Everton. He fell out with the Everton manager, so they signed him. I thought it was a good signing. Robin Olsen alone from Roma. Think he can do something to help support the team. And also signed Callum Chambers from Arsenal, my team. I think they plugged holes. They got exactly what they needed. And I think they built up. And I think they'll get stronger. Two, I have a Newcastle. I mean, they, as we know, they had, you know, a billionaire takeover. And they had to sign a lot of players this window. I believe they spent ninety million this window. Signed Kieran Trippier, Chris Wood, Bruno Guimarez. Matt Target on loan from Aston Villa and Dan Byrne from Brighton. I think they're doing all they can to stay up and not get relegated. I feel like they're just trying their hardest to, you know, just keep their place in the league and stay above that relegation zone. And three, I say Leeds United. They didn't really do much in terms of purchases, but they did sign Mateo Joseph Fernandez from Espanol. But I think the biggest thing for them is keeping like their top players. Calvin Phillips is still there. Rafinha is still there. Like, I feel like that's the hardest part is keeping your players. So they did great there. Bottom three, I'll say Manchester United. Didn't sign anyone. They had some outgoings, I think. But I feel like they really needed a defensive midfielder. The midfield is looking light. And I'm just not sure what their direction they're headed in. They're supposedly contending for top four. I'm not too sure about that. But I think they, they missed a step. They could have signed uh, Zakaria for cheap. But they didn't. Next up, Everton. I feel like they did a lot of panic buying because, like, not buying, but purchasing or, like, acquiring because they're also near – they're not relegation zone per se, but they're in the lower half of the table. Signed Deli Alley from Spurs, Donny Van de Beek from United on loan, Anwar Ghazi, Nathan Patterson, and some other players. I think it's kind of, like, panicking, like I said, because you get a lot of players who are in the same position. Donny and Deli play the same position. It was kind of tough. I want to see how Lampard, who was just recently appointed, how he's going to work that out. Not too sure about that. As for the last team, which I say had the worst transfer window, Arsenal, my team. Embarrassing. We really needed a striker, I'd say. I mean, I wanted us to, you know, challenge for top four, and I feel like we need a striker to do that. Because, like I said, in Enketia, we're not going to get us the goals that we need. With a lot of outgoings, I think 15. And I just don't think we signed anybody to replace them. No depth. So if someone gets hurt, that's, that's it. I feel like we had a bad window. We had a big chance to do something, and we just did nothing. Moving on, topic six, 
So what would you rate each match of the Royal Rumble and what's your overall rating for everything? So let's start with each match. We start with Reigns versus Rollins. I think the feud was great. I mean, the SmackDown before, um, before the Royal Rumble, Rollins came out. He said that you, I know you hate me because I broke up the Shield, and that Shield breakup was one of the biggest like betrayals like we saw in WWE. Nobody saw it coming. This faction was so great, and at that time, John Moxley, whose name was Dean Ambrose at the time in, in WWE, was the, was the greatest, one of the greatest factions ever. And they really used that storyline from multiple years ago, and and they incorporated it here. And Reigns is like, man, I just hate you what you did to us, and it was. And then when the Royal Rumble started, he comes out with the Shield entrance music i'm like this cannot get any more better like whoa comes out you know comes through the the crowd and then in the shield like in the shield clothing and it was cool to see man i gave the rating eight out of ten because the match was great we got to see a lot of different moves um seth rollins with the pedigree you know reigns doing just heel things and just being phenomenal like he's been but ending was weak it was literally reigns you know had the guillotine and he held the ropes and then he didn't, he wouldn't let go. And the ref gave him till five and Reigns won. I mean, technically Rollins won by disqualification, but yeah, the ending was definitely weak. I feel like they should have had an ending, whoever they wanted to win. I had Rollins and I was wrong, but uh, it was just a weak ending. Even at the end, I mean, they did, you know, they made even Reigns look more vicious, you know, like he attacked them with a chair and did that same position where Rollins did when he attacked Reigns with that chair multiple years ago. It was crazy, but I definitely think the ending could have been better. Uh, the Women's Royal Rumble, I gave it a 5 out of 10. You know, it was nice to see a lot of legends. But, um, you know, I think the match overall could have been a better. I think, we, like I said, we saw a lot of legends. It's because, and of course, it's, it's always nice to see legends. But it's because WWE's released so many stars. They don't even have enough women on the roster, on the main roster. And that's the biggest reason why. And why would I say 5 out of 10? I mean, Sasha Banks was one of my favorites. She, she, she prized us in the SmackDown before. And she came back and she came early and she came to the Rumble. And she she got eliminated early. Like Zelina Vega was the one to eliminate her. Of course, no disrespect on Zelina Vega. I mean, it's still gonna be remembered for Zelina Vega. I think she's a really incredible wrestler. But like I thought somebody like Liv Morgan or somebody else would eliminate. I thought Sasha Banks should win, honestly. I think that's something she hasn't done in her career, which is win the Royal Rumble. Of course, I'm happy for Zelina Vega. You know, if that's what WWE wants to do, it's okay. But I don't think Sasha Banks should have been eliminated that early where she got eliminated in the beginning of the match. She should have been there at the end. If you still wanted her to lose, I guess I understand that, but it was upsetting the way that happened. Bianca Blair also got limited. Liv Morgan as well. And Ronda Rousey won. And, and, and a lot of people was like, and it was nice to see her. That was the biggest shock. Was happy to see her. But in a sense, it felt like once she, you know, entered, you, you would assume that she would win. But, you know, at the same time, I was happy, you know, when she won. But um, at the same time, you could say, like, she doesn't really need to win it because she's already a megastar. Uh, going on to next match, Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop, a match that I feel like we had an actual no interference ending. Becky Lynch wins as expected, 8 out of 10. It was just a good match. We got to see Dewdrop in that position. And I feel like it was nice to see her because I think she's an incredible wrestler. And I think um, with even the matches with Bianca Blair, she's been doing really well. So 8 out of 10, great match. Becky Lynch, you know, just uh, she won. Uh, I think we, like Fernando, me, we both expected that. Brock versus Bobby, dream matchup. I think they ruined the dream matchup. It was a 6 out of 10, in my opinion. It was still a fun match. We got to see Bobby and Brock, just them being in the ring at the same time, one-on-one. is a, it's, a, it's a dream itself, but... The match was weak because they put that Roman storyline. Paul Heyman betrayed Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns came out of nowhere, hit the spear, used the championship belt, and Bobby Lashley won. And it was because of interference, but they used that Roman and Brock storyline just to build this match. Felt like it was just created so the the Roman storyline could just get even better. It was upsetting. You know, it could have been a lot better. We didn't need any interference, but it is what it is. They want to keep giving us Roman versus Brock, so I guess it is what it is. 
Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. Eight out of ten is a great match. We got to see the the Grit couple versus the It couple. Edge and Beth Phoenix in the ring at the same time. Two Hall of Famers. Edge got the chance to share a moment with his wife and. Ms. and Maurice did great. Maurice, you know, had some things that, you know, she pulled in the ring. She did some great moves and we maybe didn't expect it. Of course, no knock on her, but it was eight out of 10. The men's Royal Rumble, honestly, one of the worst Royal Rumbles ever in general. Two out of 10, I gave it to. I mean, it was just bad. I mean, the worst thing what happened is Brock Lesnar won the Royal Rumble. Like he didn't need to win the Royal Rumble. Give it to somebody like Biggie. You could have gave it to somebody like, you know, Riddle maybe potentially, but I think Biggie should have won it. AJ Styles potentially, but like it just didn't make sense for Brock. It was so predictable. WWE made it very predictable. Once Brock Lesnar entered at number 30, you already know he was going to win. Like, it was so predictable. We even saw a moment when Sony Deville got into the ring and she eliminated her, one of Naomi's friends. Next, Naomi came in. Like, it was so predictable. WWE is, very, is becoming very predictable. But in general, just some things I want to mention, um, uh, Josh. Uh, one thing I want to felt the Royal Rumble felt like a useless pay-per-view because Ronda and Brock did not need to win. Um, it also showed to me that WWE is not invested in their young talent. They let Ronda and Brock win, who's dominate in the UFC, and they won in the WWE. I feel like they definitely not invested in their young talent. They could have put somebody like Liv Morgan or Big E winning the Rumble. That would actually do something for them. For Brock and Ronda, this is not going to really do anything. It just adds more to their accolades. They're already top stars. They don't need this. They're allowing their veterans to take over. In my opinion, of course, no respect. This is one of the worst Royal Rumbles in WWE history. It could have been a lot better yeah. if it was booked correctly. If it was booked correctly, all the like Reigns, Rollins, these are dream matches. If it was booked correctly, it could have been a lot better. Could have been, no, I wouldn't say the greatest ones, but a really good one. And I, I overall, I think I'm being nice, but I gave the Royal Rumble a 5 out of 10 rating. But I think I'm being a little generous. I could even go a little lower than that. But I think one of the worst Royal pay-per-views ever in WWE I mean, mm. and, and it just showed they're not investing in young talent. It's just very upset, you know. I think it could have been a lot better. And uh, at the end of the day, WWE just does what they want. And uh, this pay-per-view, I mean, excuse my language, just straight up sucked. So what do you think about Raw on January 31st? The good, I, we got to see a Bobby and Brock promo. I think that was really good. You know, Brock just basically told him, like, you, you know you didn't really win it. You didn't really earn it. Just paraphrasing him. We got to see AJ Styles versus Mysterio. That was a good match. It was a nice, really fun match. We got to see two of the best in-ring performers go out at it. Uh, we, and there's some other great matches, Theories versus Owen, Otis versus Riddle. The bad, again, Veer is coming to Raw. He's supposed to have been coming to Raw since October. Where he at, boy? As of course, no knock on Veer, but, like, why you keep doing that if, like, he's not even coming? Like, that was just, that was just that. Another bad moment. I mean, Belair versus Carmella, they always have good chemistry, but we've seen that match a lot of times. It's about that repetition that they have. But overall, I mean, I give WWE, like, a 6.5 out of 10 overall for the show. And also we get to see Elimination Chamber. Six-man Elimination Chamber is going to be Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, Matt, um, Matt Riddle, and uh, AJ Styles. That's pretty cool. If anything, if it was going to be replaced anybody, I think Big E should have been in it as well. But okay, Raw. So what do you think about AEW Dynamite on February 2nd? Overall, I think I would give it like a 9 out of 10. I think the good moments, CM Punk versus MJF, we finally got to see that dream matchup, in my opinion. MJF won. CM Punk has lost his undefeated streak. He's been, I think, like 13, if I'm correct, and he finally lost. And, and people were like, wait, should this have happened? Yes, this was the right decision by AEW. Because MJF, to me, is a rising star. He's a mega star, not even a rising star. That man on the mic will come to any city and violate the city. CM Punk, this was the perfect opportunity. Now, when we think of CM Punk, man, who beats CM Punk? It's MJF. He's that guy. He's that dude. If I'm the owner of a wrestling company, I pay him the big bucks. I pay him the millions because that's the type of talent that he is. So I'm happy that MJF won. Another good moment, John Moxley versus Wheeler, Utah. I hope I said his name right. 
obviously John Moxley coming back from that situation that he's had and I'm happy to see him come back and, and just prove that what a warrior and a great individual that he is coming back, you know. Um, and he won, you know, and as expected. But the end part with Brian Danielson and John Moxley, the, propo the proposal that he's like, oh, let's team up together. I think that's really cool. It'd be really interesting to see that happen. So I, that would be really cool. But overall, great show. There's no bad moments, in my opinion. AEW just does good things. It was fun. Very fun show. Moving on to topic seven. Anthony Davis has returned from an MCL sprain, which has had him sidelined since December 19, 2021. What do you think this return means for the Los Angeles Lakers? And can Anthony Davis help turn the Lakers season around? And are the Lakers contenders with him? This is really good for the Lakers. I mean, as we know how Westbrook has been, I think it can boost them a bit. I mean, they weren't too great beforehand, but maybe Vogel might tinker with the rotations a bit. But I think it's, it's a really good for Westbrook because I think it takes less pressure off him now. Because with Anthony Davis being back, you know, he's putting up some good numbers already. I think less of the focus will be on Westbrook. Maybe he'll, like, finally, like, sit in that role where he's just playmaking, even though he hasn't been a bit shaky on that. But I think it's good for them. And, yeah, I mean, I just hope that, you know, I feel like everyone wants to see the Lakers do well. But, like, with them, currently it's just shocking. And can he turn the season around? I mean, I think not around, but I think he can, like I said, improve on their position. Then they can probably jump, like, two or three spots. I don't know how, how big of an impact it'll have, but I think it'll be a big boost for them. And are they contenders? I don't think they're better than the Suns or the Warriors. I mean, I think they're a strong team. Let's see how Westbrook plays in the playoffs with them, if they make the playoffs. Yeah, so Ricker, what does the return mean for the Los Angeles Lakers? It means everything. I mean, when you got a guy like Anthony Davis return to your lineup, a superstar kind of player, a top five generational talent, you know, it's going to definitely make them a lot better. I mean, you see the numbers that he's putting up recently just to go through against Brooklyn. He had a, he did only play 25 minutes. He had eight points, but he was very effective. You know, he had uh, four blocks that game. Then against Philly, they did lose. LeBron didn't play. He dropped 31 with 12 rebounds. Against Atlanta, they lost. He had 27 and five rebounds. And then against Portland, 30 and 15, 30 points, 15 rebounds. And against the Clippers last night, hey, shout out to I, Ice, Ice with the fresh Reggie Reggie. <laughs> uh, he had, uh, AD had a 30 points, 17 rebounds. But uh, yeah, he, if he plays like that, of course, you know, the Lakers have a, you know, puncher's chance to, to, you know, be a good team in the West. But so can he turn his season around? Yeah, with Anthony Davis. But it's not just Anthony Davis. The main problem comes with the overall roster being built. It was built really bad. Um, and can they be contenders? Heck no. They ain't no contenders. <laughs> they can't be no contenders. They, they got to Wait, so what roster. do you think they end up, like, in seeding? They're going to, in my opinion, they're going to either be, in my opinion, the best best case scenario for the Lakers would be get fourth or fifth seed. Mm. But I think they're going to be in the play-in. I think they make the playoffs, but... But I, uh, if they play Phoenix and Golden State in the first round, they're going to lose. If they play any other team, they have a shot at it. But they mm -hmm. just have to avoid Phoenix. For them, the Lakers should be they'll be like, man, let's get the sixth seed. That should be their focus. But they're not winning. They, they ain't no contenders. I know we. I had them, you know, winning championships preseason. We'll come up with our actual midseason prediction later. But yeah, are they gonna if they make some major changes in the trade deadline? You know, we'll see then. But at the way they're currently percent constructed, heck no, they ain't no damn contenders. <laughs> They they not a good team and uh, there's no disrespect but I mean we see the way they're playing they're what they just lost to the Clippers yesterday and you, I think you we both can agree you have AD and Russ the Clippers had no Kawhi no PG and Zubats yeah. didn't play don't you think they should have won that game 
Yeah, that was a shocking loss. And against Portland, they only won by five points. Don't you think they should have beat them like really bad? A win is a win, but still, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, no, they they have to. I think we got to see more throughout the season whether they're actual contenders. With that big three, I do think they could if they can get the sixty. I can see them in the second round. But once they play Phoenix or Golden State, assuming every team is healthy, I don't think they have a shot. Those are the two teams I don't think they can beat. Hmm. I agree. Of course, when you have LeBron James, you can never doubt him, but. It's hard, man. That roster, man. The roster is just bad constructed. It's obviously a bad fit as well. But they're not even close to being contenders. They're not even pretenders. They're even worse than pretenders. They're a good team. I mean, like you said, I never want to count the run out, but it's looking like, you know, the writing's on the wall. I mean, I feel like the rush trade, like, sealed their fate, in my opinion. I mean, who <laughs> knows? Who knows what could happen, but I feel like... I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, you got to wait and see. I guess that concludes episode 15 of the Straight Sport Podcast. Um. But thanks for tuning in. You know, I appreciate the support. You can follow us at the Straight Sports Podcast on Instagram. A link in our bio uh, that we have a link tree. You can you know view the episodes wherever you want. And yeah, have a good one. Everybody, stay safe. Yeah, thanks for listening. Peace.